Your life can be full of inspiration and magic, and you don't need glass slippers to get there. Welcome to the podcast for real life heroines with author, speaker, and coach, Susanna Liller. Join us as we work with key elements of personal development to assist you in hearing the calls that life has for you. Be inspired, be empowered, and be encouraged. Let's start today's episode with your host, Susanna Liller. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines, where I get to interview heroines about their heroine's journey, their story. And of course, we go on many of these journeys in our lifetime. So often the heroine and I talk ahead of time about which one is it going to be. And so we did that this time. I'd like to introduce you to Jennifer Jacobson. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Susanna, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I would like if you would allow me to just brag about you for a while and list a couple of your accolades, if you don't mind. Um, you do have several. Jennifer is a well-known writer. She has written over a dozen books, children's award-winning books. Um, Small as, as an Elephant is one, and I'm going to be talking to her about that one. And um, and that one won the Parents' Choice Gold Award. And she has written a book called Paper Thins Things. All of these have a series, actually, of awards after them. I won't read all the awards. Um, unless you feel one of them is particularly good for me to mention, Jennifer, and then tell me. Um, the Dollar Kids, and I actually have that one too, which is another book that she has written. And um, again, Bank Street Best Book Award of the Year. Um, latest picture book, This Is My Room, No Tigers Allowed. That was released in 2019. Then there are the chapter book series. Um, Andy Shane series and Twig and Turtle, which um, is a series about two sisters who move into a tiny house and how they adapt to that um, to live more simply. And so you write for children, you started out as a teacher, you went to the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And you I also know that um, you teach teachers and you um, give talks and teach for the Highlights Foundation, which you told me you've just started traveling again, giving those in person. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Where's your next city that you're going to go to for one of those? So Highlights is a retreat center in Pennsylvania, and I will be there in, it's in the uh, Poconos, and I will be there in June. Nice. Yes. Great. And I think that here in your bio, of course, it says you live with your husband and your Jack Russell Terrier. And I think it's just fine for me to mention that um, you live down the road from me. <laughs> We're neighbors. We're neighbors. How good is that? Yeah. So again, welcome. And when we talked about 
okay, what heroine's journey do you want to talk about? And, and I was thinking initially, of course, we'll talk about writing in your books. And, and I asked you to list some of the things that came up for you. And so let me just list what you came up with. And then I'm going to just ask you, what's pulling you to start talking about first? So you said, well, writing truthfully and getting closer to the bone is something that would be of interest to talk about. And the power of stories to heal is another one. And the book, Small as an Elephant, how this book is about a boy who was abandoned by his mother and what it means to you and your son, writing about difficult subjects and giving myself permission to leave relationships other than my marriage, see below. So Jennifer and I talked about, we have a, a similar heroine's journey, a major one, a big one, one of the biggest I think you can go through. I mean, you described it, Jennifer, when you talked about it to me, where did you say? You said um, the most consequential and definitely most difficult leap. We talk about heroine's journeys. You leave your comfort zone and you decide to answer a call. And if you do, it usually requires a huge leap into the unknown. So I gave you a list. Where shall we begin? Uh, uh, let me begin with maybe before and after. Okay. So um, for uh, many years, I was married for 24 years. And during that time, I had my children and I was writing and I was um, publishing as a writer and I was doing author visits and I was meeting with, with teachers and I had begun then to uh, teach teachers how to teach writing. And, and it all... Um, seemed from the outside to be going very well. But I always felt as if there, that the writing that I was doing wasn't coming from the most genuine place. And perhaps that's because I wasn't living my most genuine life. I was unhappy in my marriage and something that not even my friends recognized. I had a facade going most of the time, you know, facade up. Um, I, I was just becoming more and more deeply unhappy. And things, I began to suffer in other ways. I began to become angrier and um, less open to things in the world, more frustrated. And I was becoming a person that I didn't like. And I was becoming a person that I didn't want my children to know. And so after 24 years, I, or, or maybe it was about the 23rd year that I decided, I decided to leave the marriage. And, you know, as you can understand, someone who went into teaching to be with young children and who couldn't wait to be a mother and just, you know, really, um, like that nurturing side of me is very strong writing for young children. So the thought that the very person who had spent her life protecting my children was now going to be the one that was going to hurt the most. That was the biggest leap I, I had to make. 
let me just interrupt for a bit because when we talked about this, we talked about the similarities in the feelings that I had not as long a time. I was married for 13 years and but the same the same inclination to pretend everything was fine to have that facade and for me i think it was so that the kids would be okay and i think that's what you told me the same for you absolutely but then when i you know let everybody know that i was leaving um the the anger perhaps was even more fierce because they didn't see it coming. Same with my kids. Same with they thought everything was fine because mm -hmm. I had made it look like it was fine. Right. That's right. So, you know, when we talk about heroine's journeys, so that was your ordinary life, being a mom, writing, things weren't great at all, but you were pretending they were great. And then you get a call. And I'm wondering, the call is to make a change. And how did that come for you? I think the pressure just grew too great. Um, and, and I think, I, you know, you can always, I think, you can ask someone who's been, who's left a marriage, what was your last draw? And I think most of us can probably describe that one moment where we thought, that's it. It's just, I can't go on this way any longer. Right. Um, you know, there's that quote about, um, it's not the um, letting go that's the pain, that's painful, it's the holding on. Um, that's exactly what I was experiencing. It was way too painful to hold on any longer. And I, and I began to realize that I was still modeling in my life. And especially for my daughter, I wanted to model something a whole lot more positive than who I was becoming. Right. Yeah, I, you know, you talk about the anger. And I remember the anger for me too, which I have never really been known or been an anger person. But when you get angry and you keep pushing it down, it builds and the I began to realize I was in trouble when I would get angry at some comment my ex-husband would say, which could even be little, yes. like, how come there's no clean underwear for me? And, <laughs> and I would be me yes. throwing the radio across the room and pulling the dress. <laughs> and it was like, okay, Susanna. And then the other thing was, at a certain point, I just, I would cry at the drop of a hat. It was like the tears had been getting higher and higher. And so they began to just kind of overflow and I couldn't stop. No, and, and you really know you've hit that place because unlike other times when you let tension build, there is no relief. There's no release. Right. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't go away. You're trapped. Right. So you did it as I did, and the kids were shocked. But then you crossed over that big, humongous abyss, the threshold, and you got to the other side. And, you know, people listening are going to be at all different stages of contemplating a leap and standing at the threshold and saying, Oh, no, I can't do it. How was it once you got onto the other side after saying I'm done? Well, of course, going through the process was very painful. Um, I cried a lot during that time. 
I just, I'd be in the car and I'd cry and I'd be in the shower and I'd cry and I'd often cry myself to sleep at night. You know, it just was going, you know, it was having to go through with this tunnel um, and letting things, you know, knowing that each day I was just going to wake up in the morning and do the best I could that day. Um, I would tell myself things like, you can handle this. I can handle this, you know, trying to, to just sort of buck myself up. Um, but, but consequently, through that time, there was no playbook any longer. There was no playbook for any of us. And so we had to be more present with one another. And little by little, those, that facade was broke. It was broken. It was shattered. Um, and so I, I think during that time, I became more authentic. Mm-hmm. And even though it was probably still the toughest time, maybe was the immediate leaving, the, um, I, I felt I was beginning to feel me again. I was beginning to get to know who I am and to, to I think as corny as this sounds, I learned then to befriend myself. That's when I had to be my best buddy. Does not sound corny one bit. I mean, my way of thinking about it was that I felt like it was my soul that I kept and my soul being who I really was. So my authenticity too. I Mm -hmm. felt it was being deadened and deadened and dampened and tampered down. And there was like a spark left before I began to yes same thing bring myself back yeah yeah oh it's a great image I've got this little picture of us blowing on the that last ember just blowing on it come on you can light again (laughs) the irony too is I remember you know there's certain parts you really remember when you go back I mean something so significant in your life and I also remember before I decided I had to be done um that I was with a friend and they were commenting on what they were seeing in the marriage and, you know, how we talk to each other. And I said something, oh, I just let it go in one ear and out the other. You know, what he says doesn't bother me. And that's crazy. But that's how I was. I was existing, surviving. And, and, you know, I just want to say out loud, it was nobody's fault it was just that we had grown apart and part of me has such a hard time of letting go and we both had a hard time of letting go and so it had to be a real you know pulling apart which was hard and there was fear involved for sure yeah but then when did you feel Jennifer did you feel like a certain lightness of being and a weight taken off you at a certain point that you can sort of remember yeah I you know each day the balance of of sadness and and a little bit of joy would change and the ratio got better and better and better um you know as I began to sort of take charge of my own life and make decisions and um nest on my own and um yeah, there was this sort of reawakening. It was a, I think of, I'm now remarried, but I think of those single years 
despite the hardship is mostly this joyful awakening time. Yeah, me too. And exploration. And I think somewhere you say you had to learn to reparent yourself. It's yeah. sort of like so much, I think, too, once we, if we get married kind of pretty quickly, I was, I don't know, 21 or something and had my first child at 25. And you kind of just take on your parents the way they parented, your parenting. And then as you have this wake up experience, then you realize, no, this is how I want to do it. You know, making yeah your own decisions. Yes. I actually, I think that, that I knew that I needed reparenting even before then. I think that's why I write for kids. The stories that I write are me re-raising myself. Yeah. And so yeah. Um, something else that you said tickled there, but it'll come back. So what's tickling for me is your comment that um, writing your book, Small as an Elephant, mm -hmm. about a boy abandoned by his mother in Acadia National Park. That's the start of the book. It's very kind of shocking. She just disappears and he's alone in his tent. And you said how this book, what it means to me and my son. So what say more about that if you would I, I so you'll appreciate this so much Suzanne I know you will when I set out I was um newly single I don't even know if I, I was separated I don't even know if I was fully divorced when I proposed this idea to my editor um now first of all I have to tell you how I, I had received this idea 10 years before I proposed it and so I was still married at the time and the way that I got this idea, I was at a conference and the um, instructor told us to write a beginning that no reader could put down. And I thought, okay, okay, I've heard that advice a lot, you know, write a beginning that'll hook the reader. And she said, no, no, no. At this very moment, I want you to write a beginning. Just open your notebook that no reader can put down. So I opened my notebook and I was, I had nothing. I was in the middle of a story. I couldn't possibly think of a new beginning at that moment. I just, I knew what it was like to be a student in a classroom and told, okay, right now. And, but I started to stare out the window and I got this image of myself in a pup tent. And I knew that the sun was high because the tent was hot. And I crawled out of the sleeping bag and, and to the door and unzipped the flap and went out into the cool air. And in my fantasy in this class, I realized that whoever I was camping with is gone. There's no car, there's no camping equipment, there's no tent. I'm alone in a campground. Now, is that metaphorical or not? This is great <laughs> marriage, but that's not, that is not how I begin books. So I ignored it for 10 years. And then now I'm newly separated. I'm um, on my own, making a living as uh, my own is more important than ever. And I take this idea, this little seed that I had and present it to my editor. And she said, yes, try it. And then she said to me uh, something about, she implied that it was autobiographical. And I thought, what is she talking about? Like, like <laughs> no part of me that would ever leave my son in a camper. Like I, 
I didn't even I didn't even know where she was coming from. Well, I wrote the story, and of course there were feelings. I was feeling as if I were my, my son is my youngest, and I um, left the marriage when he was still in high school. Something that I never wanted to do. I wanted to wait until college, but it was impossible because once I knew I was leaving, I was even more of a liar while I was staying. It was just added to the problem. So I began the story and it is, it's a story about a mom um, who is bipolar and she is having a manic episode when they arrive at the campground. And this part is not autobiographical, but he, she um, ends up leaving him there. And then he has to um, find, figure out what's happened and eventually try to find his way home. And so the whole time I'm writing this, there's just no part of me that believes that this is my story. And yet um, years later, my son, who um, is a middle school principal, asked me to come and um, his whole school had read Small as an Elephant. And he asked me to come and do an assembly in Denver. And I was so excited. You know, at this point, my son's grown and he's found his way and and there he confessed that that he always felt this was his story that yeah that that he had felt abandoned even though I had moved to a home that was literally around the corner on, on a parallel street and even though I had showed up for everything no matter how much he pushed me away I was I was there on the sidelines of everything but to him he still felt this was his story. And then I, now I just have to tell you one other funny thing because I had the opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> and that is, when I walked into his school, I, um, right away, a child stopped me in the hall. Now these are middle schoolers. So this was probably a, a, maybe a sixth or seventh grader stopped me in the hall. And he said, are you the author? And I said, I am. And he said, why did you leave Mr. Jacobson in a camera? <laughs> <laughs> So, so we laugh. We, we, I think we both sort of do consider this our book, you know, that that's ours together. Yeah. And I know you said to me that the whole time you were really worried that this, you knew that the whole divorce was very sad for them, as it was for my two children. Um, but you also felt it was damaging. But now, how do you feel about that? And how do your kids feel about that? I think, oh, I think if you ask my kids, they both understand now that I had no choice but to leave. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it, you know, they have an adult perspective and right. they see everything more clearly. Yeah. Um, so, of course, that's nice. But I also think there were gifts. And maybe that's me putting, maybe it's an old habit of putting a positive spin on things. Um, maybe that habit dies hard. But um, for one gift that I think that came from that situation is that they have a far closer relationship with their father. Mm. Um, because I was doing so much. I was over, over, what a functioning is the word I'm looking. I was so overfunctioning in that family that it allowed my ex not to be present a lot of the time and not to have the hard conversations and not to communicate as effectively as he does now. And I think that they that was one of the gifts that came out of it. 
Hmm. Um, another is that my kids have gone through hard things in their lives. And there's points where they've had to, to do things for themselves that they worried would hurt others. Hmm. And I think now they, they see that, that that's a natural part of life and they go forward with a little more courage and a little more resilience because they they know they're going to be all right and they know the other person's going to be all right right it is it, it truly when we do take those leaps of authenticity and learn to be who we really are it is good example setting as hard as it might be and there are tough times and yeah and we do survive them yes and so so how would you say that particular journey affected your writing going forward? No, I think I became in the, in the same, I think that to be an authentic writer, you need to be an authentic person. Yeah. You know, you, the more authentically you live, the closer you get to the, your own truths, the more you look at the hard um, facts about yourself in your life, the, the more others can respond to your writing and feel heard and and be awakened in their own way it's just um i don't think you can be a really good writer without being vulnerable yeah and and i want to ask you because i know you're writing something that's more for adults that might be more a, a memoir than one of your children's books but just sticking with a divorce journey for a bit um one of the things for me, and again, I'm thinking of modeling, you know, um, so I was so afraid. And one of the things that I had such a hard time doing was getting help. So here I was stuck in this unhappy marriage, but I was ashamed that this marriage, as much as I was trying to make it look good, wasn't. So if I reached out for help, then people would know, listen to that people would know and this was for me it was in the 80s so um and i too have luckily worked i worked on myself and got in a better second marriage for sure but i was so embarrassed and and so when you were talking about once you did it and and how were you moving forward for me i always think one foot in front of the other and so one of my first things was get over the fear and ask for help. And I got a therapist and you would think nowadays, how hard is it to ask, for, get a therapist to talk to? But for me, it was forget it. It was hard, but I did. And then that led me to the therapist saying, well, why don't you talk, just go talk to a lawyer, you know? And they were these little steps to find my way out. But initially, asking for help letting people know that i didn't have it to get no way did i have it together was hard yes yeah yeah i think i was fortunate in that i already like as i said i was i was already sort of aware of how my own childhood was getting in the way of my adulthood and so i had already um been with a therapist as it sounds like you too when you made the decision yeah. um but still what what you just said that astounded me or maybe astounds me now more than then is how much shame is around oh, divorce I and i 
I was embarrassed not to have a ring on my finger. I was embarrassed, you know, people would introduce me and I had to remove the part about being married, married in my bio. I mean, I, I didn't know how to talk to people. I was out in the world and I'd want to say, I'd want to talk about my past, but I didn't want to use the word ex-husband, all of that shame. It seemed, it seems crazy. And I don't, I don't imagine that our kids I don't just do the does the generation below us feel this way too, but so much shame. And I think that it why? Because it implies we didn't try hard enough. It implies we don't have stick to itiveness. It implies, you know, right? All of those messages that get out in the world. Um, families with divorced parents are described as broken families. You know, it's it's hard. Right, right. And we don't we don't have the same, um, I don't know what it would be, but you know, the thinking around, yeah, but that's not who I, I'm not being who I am. I have yeah. to do that. You know, you, you don't, it's more like, oh no, I'm breaking something down. But you know, when you have a heroine's journey like that, you, there's so much you have to let go of mm -hmm. at the same time as you're leaping forward. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, so well, I just have to say that one of the things I love about the heroine's journey is that you recognize if not a marriage, something else. Yeah. We all have to break out of that right. cocoon. Right. So it could be a job you're in that you're not happy about and you're getting this message. This is not good for me. Or it could be it could be something you've discovered that you want to go to. Uh, maybe you want to move to another part of the country. Um, so it's anything that really is inspiring change and usually a big change in you. I have one more question about um, small as an elephant. So in the book, Jack, the main character, is an expert on elephants. And so did you think of that when you that day in that writing class when they said write a beginning no no um my when once i decided i was going to write the story my process is this i can't i i first journal around any um in fact i have one here but that was that i know many are listening in a podcast but this is what they look like right, right. and um I, so I journal about the story and I can't begin actually writing it I can't begin chapter one until I know two things. And one is um, what the character wants because that will provide all of the forward momentum. And the second thing I do is I give my character an obsession because then it gives them this very fun worldview and it gives me something to research. And, um, and I, I chose elephants for two reasons. And the first was above my desk, I had a quote for many, many years. And um, the quote read um, that Pliny the Elder had um, witnessed an elephant um, punished when it, when the, when the elephant, I, I should read it, the actual quote, but when the, when the elephant um, couldn't perform a trick, it was punished. Later that elephant went missing and where was it found? Back practicing the trick. And I felt like that was described so much of my life. You know, mm -hmm. my reaction to getting beaten is to turn around and practice harder. 
Yes, right. And so that that resonated with me. But the other thing, the other reason I chose elephants is that they're incredibly maternal and they will not leave their young even when their young are in danger. Yeah. And the thing that I've had to, to, the thing that I own right now is that I never left my young. No. We think we are, but we're not. Yeah, we're just changing the landscape big time, but we're not leaving them. No. Like Jack's mom. So I wonder if you would let me um, just read. So what happens is he, in the beginning, he remembers when his mother first took him to meet an elephant. And it's such beautiful writing and I had marked it. And now of course, I'm not finding it. And of course you would never be able to say, Susanna, it's on page so-and-so. No, not that one, unfortunately. No, no, but it's so, you know, elephants are so wonderful and they're so endangered. Um, no, I can't find it, but it's such a wonderful, because she curls her, he, he's a baby and he's afraid, mm -hmm. but the elephant comforts him and um, taps him with her. Yeah, I won't say anymore because it will spoil some of the latter parts, but I loved the elephant parts in the book. I really did. Yeah. It's just a beautiful, beautiful written book, even for even for an adult to read, I think. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, all right. So leaving those books for children. Would you feel comfortable just sharing a little bit about what you're working on now? So I'm writing an adult novel. I, it isn't memoir, although it is the most autobiographical okay. novel I've ever written. It's in some ways it's the easiest because I can just sort of tap into my character Anna's feelings and and go. Um, but it's called Widow Dreams. At least that's the working title now. I don't know if it'll it'll stay. And it's surprise, surprise about a woman trapped in a marriage. <laughs> and, and unlike me, she's made the decision to leave, but she has not announced it. And, and um, while, let me, let me back up for a moment. While married and while unhappy, she has what I um, affectionately call widow dreams where you know, her husband doesn't come home at night and she lays in bed and she plans the funeral and she knows what she's going to wear and she knows who's going to speak. And, and, you know, she, of course, not of course, but she imagines that in so many ways her life would be easier if her husband died. Um, and which is a really hard thing to say aloud, but I will, it's going to be in the book. And so, uh, but what happens and, and is that her husband, um, instead of her leaving the marriage and her divorcing him, her husband does die. Oh. And what she discovers is that she's even more trapped as the widow hmm. and her children are more trapped than they would have been had she gone through the hard work of being honest and leaving wow. the marriage. Wow. Well, that's, that's quite the plot. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So thinking about the people listening and 
who knows what their particular journey is now, maybe, and where they are. Maybe they're in a hard spot in their ordinary life, as you were, as I was, in something, in a job, in a relationship. Um, what would you, Jeep, and definitely listening to the plot of that, of somebody who didn't really leave when maybe she was being called to leave, what what's your words of advice to heroines on the journey? Oh, that what popped into my head is Mary Oliver's quote. Yeah. Right? What yeah. do you plan to do with your one wild right. and precious life? Right. right. You know, um, when you don't listen to yourself, you really have cut yourself off mm -hmm. from all flow of life. Right. Right. When you don't, when you don't listen and when you don't honor and when you don't nurture the part of you that makes you, you, mm. you know, you live a cardboard life. Right. Even though your culture, the people around you, everybody is trying to steer you a certain way and you're trying to make them happy, you'll still get those symptoms that you're in trouble. Like we both did, you know, getting angry and me not being able to stop crying. And because people say, well, how, how do you know you're getting a call? And what would you say to that, Jennifer? I mean, I think that, I think that you, when you're getting a call, you can't ignore it. Like it comes to you in your first thoughts in the morning and it comes to you on a walk and it comes to you in the shower and it comes to you every time you have strong emotions. You just, you're hearing it. You're just not yet answering it. Right. That's usually, and I think it comes differently to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. But because it's unique to the person, but it usually, I say the same thing, it doesn't leave you. It just, it, and that could be even small calls to do things, you know, ways to um, help your life, transform your life. Um, I wonder when I talk to people who are pondering whether or not to do it and, and always they're afraid and in whatever the journey might be, always there's fear always there's the voices in your head you're not good enough you're not smart enough you'll never make enough money you're all of that stuff going on um when i talk to them i try to help them understand that it's the same way for everybody that it's part yes. of the journey to have the fear yes welcome the fear it's part of the journey to have your culture and the people around you in your thoughts inside saying you're not good enough. It just is- I also think that if, you know, I've a couple of times alluded to my childhood and um, I grew up with alcoholism. And so um, one of the challenges in my life is feeling safe. Yeah. And so I grabbed at what appeared to be safe right. for the wrong reasons. And I didn't leave for the longest time because my youngest survival instincts would kick in. Yeah. 
Um, be safe, be safe, be safe. You know, it's such a strong um, sentiment. You know, it's our survival. It is survival. Did you ever see the movie, The Crudes? It's a- No. Oh my gosh, it's wonderful. C-R-O-O-D-S, The Crudes. And it's um, a cartoon and it's a movie and it's not Disney, but it's wonderful. And the dad, they're cave people prehistoric people and all the dad wants is for everybody to stay in the cave all the time that's, that's, <laughs> that's so funny it's a very funny movie and it's really it's really well done but that's it like stay in the comfort zone isn't um, that what we're saying to ourselves stay right. in that cave you get back there in that cave right, right. so jennifer <laughs> if i ask you if you hadn't done what you did I mean, I guess you've already said this because I always ask people to to think, what would you be like if you hadn't done it? What would you be like today if you had chosen the comfort zone and you were still back there? I, I know people in my life who have just been unhappy always. Yeah. And it comes out in insidious ways um and I think oh is there anything sadder than someone going through this phenomenal life that we've been given being unhappy and angry and sad and resentful I just I um that breaks my heart right right and when I think about it I think I can't even imagine because I grew so much as a result of, of mm-hmm. doing it as hard as it was. Yeah. So what's wonderful about you doing this with me is, is that you are able to talk about it and share what happened. And I'm sure people listening, I'm sure there'll be people that are on hovering over that threshold, wondering whether or not, and, and just the fact that both of us can talk about it and, that we made it through and our kids are okay. And yes, there were hard times, but um, again, back to Mary Oliver, it's our one wild and precious life. Oh my gosh, a gift that's been given to us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so is there anything, Jennifer, before we bring this to a close that you want to tell people about that you're doing that they should, how do they find you if they want to? Uh, my website is jenniferjacobson.com. Although at the moment I am struggling with Squarespace, it's down. <laughs> don't go, <laughs> don't go immediately, but um, it, it should be up by the end of today. Uh, the I'm on, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook and I'm really easy to find in all of those places. We'll put those, how to get there in the show notes so that people can find you and you'll be out speaking. And didn't you do, and maybe you're still doing it, a writer's group, people that, um, you know. Critique groups? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually belong to two. the, one of the things about the writing life, one of the best parts about the writing life is the community. And you learn, and in order to succeed as a writer, you really want to surround yourself with lots of other writers mm. um, for the camaraderie, but also for the support, for the connections, for the um, 
it's it's and it's one of the very as I said I'm repeating myself but it's one of the very best parts yeah it just occurs to me there's so much we could have talked about as far as your writing and helpful hints in that regard we might have to invite you to come and join us again and talk about writing that would be fun maybe after that next book the adult novel is published we'll talk about that yeah okay then well Jennifer how lovely that you joined us today thank you so very much thank you Susanna I just love talking with you I could do this all day long same here good thing we just live down the street from each other yeah. <laughs> all right and everybody listening how lovely that you joined us and we really appreciated it and i hope that you will join me for my next um, podcast and thank you very much thank you for listening to the podcast for real life heroines with Susanna liller we're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. To find more about Susanna and how she can assist you in your heroine story, go to SusannaLiller.com forward slash blog or find us on social media and YouTube by searching Susanna Liller. You can also email us directly at Susanna at SusannaLiller.com. We'd love to hear from you. To be encouraged and inspired outside of the show and blog, check out You Are Heroine, a retelling of the hero's journey written by your host and coach, Susanna, available on Amazon. Until the next time, be well, heroine.